on TV, online, on the side. Come on, a little side action? This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton, and I am in Fargo, North Dakota. That is 100% true. That is not a lie. I am working on another little poker gig. Maybe you heard of it, but back in England, they are James Hardigan and Matt Broughton. Hello. And I, hi, Matt. Hi, James. I have overslept, sort of. Um, <laughs> technically, I did oversleep, but hey, it was bound to happen. I thought we were doing the show 24 hours from now. Time zone confusion, because we're recording Wednesday morning, which is Tuesday night your time, and I guess you just had in your mind Wednesday, therefore it must be Wednesday night. Basically, the long and the short of it is somebody says, like, we're doing something 4 a.m. on Wednesday. Obviously, that means Wednesday starts at midnight, but to me, that's Tuesday That's Tuesday night, so I thought, we, whatever, it doesn't matter. I got it wrong. You can imagine the scenes that this ends, Joe, because I've got Matt messaging you on Facebook and WhatsApp. I'm texting you. I'm calling you on both of your phones. And we reach the conclusion that his phone's clearly on silent, so he's not getting any alerts of any kind. The only way we can get hold of him is to ring his hotel. And then we all look at each other and go... We've no idea where he's staying. Oh, no. yeah. How did you and then, figure and out Well, well then we became like the spotlight team. So I'm going through your Facebook posts. I'm going through your Twitter, seeing has he said anything about where he is? Oversleeping is not akin to child molestation, okay? <laughs> let's, uh, let's All right, let's maybe a bad right analogy. Now. But so we go into detective mode, and then James just pulls this rabbit out of his ass. Fortunately, Joe, the other day, we did a check to see if the Skype connection from your hotel was strong enough to do yes. the podcast, right? Yes. So obviously we did a video call so I can see your hotel room. And so we Googled hotels in Fargo, North Dakota. I looked at pictures of the hotel room and realized the exact hotel you were staying at. Now, how many fo- how many hotels do you think James had to call before he actually got the right one? One. Correct. <laughs> He literally, we all go, and this is never going to work. He goes, hello, could you connect me to uh, the room for Joe Stapleton, please? That's unbelievable. And then he just looks at us and goes, it's ringing, it's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pick up, hello. <laughs> I, mean, this is, I mean, this is wild because the phone's ringing and, you know, I'm like half in, you know, I was asleep. I was dead asleep. And um, luckily I didn't party too hard last night. I did, I did have a date, um, which... Luckily, the girl was wonderful and uh, didn't want to come back to my room as a result of that. Obviously. Um, but when, when the phone's ringing, I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, who is this going to be? Is this some fan that's tracked down? You know, because weird things have happened to me like that. So I figured, do we say the name of the hotel, by the way? Because no. if we did, I'm going to have to stay somewhere else next time. Okay, good. So because uh, someone will definitely do it now. Um, so I was like, what? what is this going to be? And James's first word to me was, Dude. And so <laughs> then I really have no idea who it is. Dude, it's 10 after 10. What? No, it's not. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't even know if you're the right person. Like, I was just in such a tailspin. Anyway, yes. It was, it was the way you said with such confidence. The podcast is tomorrow. <laughs> right. Well, that's, in and which I, country? I, so I apologize, guys. Um, I guess we were bound. Look, James, in the five years we've been working together four years we're working together how many times have i have i been late or not or or not showing up for something yeah this this is probably 
one of two maybe when there's been any kind of delay or any issue like that yeah so anyway i feel like i i get one of these probably i probably have a couple of these in the bank but we'll we'll try not to do this again <laughs> uh some time zone differences. Yes, I am in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, on today's show, we are recapping Dublin. Just a couple of things that happened since our last edition of the show, including our review of Deadpool. We are finally getting to that. And, and also, we had some fun on the cab ride. I've got some tape, as they used to say back in the day, which now is just zeros and ones. It's just uh, some digital video. Um, there were some scary flights on the way home. Matt, just real quick, did you have to go through passport control? No. No, I Wasn't didn't. that weird? And, and it really freaked me out because I've got like a ritual. You know, as soon as we land, I get my phone, I switch that on, I text home, I'm, I'm alive. I grab my passport and I kind of walk through the whole process holding my passport. And I found myself standing at the luggage carousel and then <laughs> walking to the car park still holding my passport thinking, no one's asked to see this. Like, Did you just when sh- like show that- it to a cab driver? <laughs> say, Please, I, someone I, look at my passport. I thought I had done something wrong. I know. And I got all the way home and the wife opened the door, like ready to hug me. I'm like passport your papers please <laughs> so no and it was only when i saw that you were going to ask me that i thought you're absolutely right like i never got to show anyone my passport but hey apparently they just probably recognized me from the tv from 17 years ago and went hey keep coming buddy i always loved you on the tv i mean i got in too it was very weird and then i was thinking to myself what if i was just coming from like yemen or you know and i just landed in dublin for a second I, they must have it figured out i don't know i what if there was just a mistake if they're like, oh, for a whole day, they were like, holy <laughs> shit, we forgot to check everyone's passports. Maybe they were like, I thought it was your shift, Dave. No, no, Steve's covering for me. No, Steve's in hospital. And they're like, wow, so who's doing border control? No one. Someone just connected the moving walkway to like the wrong tube inside. It just it just connected exactly with England. Uh, so anyway, yeah, there were, James had a scary flight home. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, we are going to talk in our event recap section. Since we don't have too much to do in Dublin, there was actually probably a more robust event that happened. The American Poker Awards and the GPI Draft we'll be covering later on in the show. We've got Superfan versus Staves. We've got Turn Van Dirk, Tune Van Dijk. We're going to ask him because I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea. He is our TVD. TVD is our super fan, and he is talking Harry Potter. Matt has prepared a game for him. James, what is happening in the world of social media? How much do people love us after Dublin? Is there any love out there for us? I need it right now. I'm feeling really bad. Like, I'm looking at my phone right now, and I have so many missed calls. <laughs> and, like, that sick feeling when you're just like, ah, oh, I fucked up. I just really <laughs> fucked up. Well, take comfort in the words of Michael Zajac on Twitter, Joe, who says that EPT Not Live is his new favourite podcast. So much fun, great poker talk, and so much more. I've spent the last two weeks catching up on all 36 episodes. Wow. Wow, we. That is, uh, that is potential super fandom. Uh, Michael says it's also great for passing time when he makes the horrible decision of starting a micro MTT at 11 p.m. just to make a deep eight-hour run to cash for $11. <laughs> We've all done it. We've we all done it. We've all done it, and we all will do it. Uh, now, Max says the time difference in Australia makes it hard to be a super fan. I've listened to all the EPC Not Live shows and hope to play the home game. More on that later on in the show. Max, I'm sure we can work something out because if there's one thing we have no problem with on this show, it's balancing time zones. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, I feel like that's oh. directed at me in some way. I just can't but help, help but feel like and, uh, that was leveled this direction. Uh, well, here you go, Joe. This is a tough one because Max asks for more urinal talk, please. These are everyday situations. It's good to know I'm not alone. But then Catherine, who literally tweeted a couple of hours before that, 
as much as I love EPT Not Live, can we please stop talking about urinals? Not something I want to hear about every week. Hashtag thanks in advance. No, no, we cannot. No, it's a part of the show now. It's one of the, the things we do, so no. Look, I, I had one tweet I wanted to get to really quick because last night the show was back on and I forgot to mention that we are going to do a quick little recap of, uh, la you know, we're back on TV uh, in, in the UK. But I woke up this morning to a tweet. Now, obviously, I was like scrambling to get the show ready once James called my hotel room. But, if, you know, when there's little notifications on your phone, you still end up checking them even though you have no time? Of course. There was a tweet I got this morning that is a quote of another tweet says, not sure if there's anything more depressing than a 40-year-old comic bombing at 1 a.m. on a Tuesday. He's 43, then, people. Factual accuracy. I mean, but the thing is, the guy didn't mention me in the tweet, but then someone else quoted him and then added me to it. And I don't know <laughs> if the guy's talking about the show that aired last night or he's saying like, Stapes probably also thinks there's nothing more depressing than an old comic mm. bombing at one o'clock. Like, because, I mean, I'm not 40. I'm not fucking 40. So I don't know if this is directed at me or not. And I also don't know, does that make me have a giant ego because I think it might be directed at me? Mm, discuss. Anyway, I, I didn't... Whatever. Th let's all just think about that. Let's all think whether that, that was directed at me. Um, just a few things to wrap up from Dublin. Uh, the final table... Uh, happened uh, since our last show, and uh, you know that's well documented. You guys can go back and watch that if you want. The one thing to say about the final table, and you know we've said this consistently since Barcelona, how well we have run with final tables in season twelve of the EPT, and how this has been the season of the regs. That it's all familiar characters, all familiar people on the tour who've won titles, like John Juanda, Neil Farrell. Uh, Mike Watson, and in the case of Dublin, Dmitry Ivanovic. And I think your line, Joe, when you actually introduced the players at the final table on the final day was, it's amazing to think this guy doesn't already have an EPT main event title, considering how much he's won in the last nine months. Yeah, I mean, that's the really weird part is that, you know, and I, I mentioned this when I did the winner interview with him at the end, it seems like we've been like kind of waiting forever for this guy to win one, but he's been on the scene for like a year. Yeah, if that. And, uh, you know, he actually was... Uh, He's a guy that's like tough to get anything from the, for, out of in the interviews, and I thought the interview went fine, but unfortunately, like after I got off the air, I checked my phone, and there's a text from our boss, Francine, and she's like, yeah, he's a tough interview. That was probably never going to go well. And I was like, Wait, what? I, I, I thought it did go well. Like, what? what? No. No. I was actually pretty upset with that. And James, so what you said is we ran pretty well um, – with uh, with the names that we've had, but we've also run pretty well this season with how late things have been getting done. And this one got done a little later, and we were all worried that it was going to go a lot longer. And part of it was that you know we ended up playing one less level, one fewer level uh, than we we normally do on one of the days. So everything was kind of behind schedule. But also the guy who finished runner up was his his name is uh, G G Gilles Gilles Berniers. He had that little thing where he would take like. 10 or 15 breaths before every decision and I'm just wondering so we finished what about one in the morning you're gonna kind of try and calculate how much earlier we would have finished if that guy had just acted promptly on every street 
Yes, and what do you guys think? Like, what is your how many hours sooner would we have been done had he acted as quickly as Dmitry Urbanovich had? Well, starting from what just the heads up or the final table? I mean, what was the final of, table? Because the, the, the way the way you got to time it is they're never going to come back for the final day with fewer than six players. So, however fast the tournament ran up to the final true, day, true. we were always going to start where we started with six players at the start of the final day. So, just the final table. I am going to say we would have finished an hour and a half earlier if we removed all of the heavy breathing i was gonna say 90 to 100 minutes i think is a pretty good line yeah okay well we're all in agreement about that now having said that i didn't mind the guy um a lot of people out there really couldn't stand how how the breathing thing he was doing i have no idea i had no idea at the time how tilting some people found it and after the event so many people said that they'd actually switched off the stream they said dude i was really enjoying the final table but had to switch it off i just couldn't bear it just couldn't bear that guy don't you think some of it is people just needing something to be angry at? Like, could um, is, it didn't? Yes what? and no. I do think that there is a problem, and you know, this is something that everyone's addressing right now. And I know we're going to talk about the uh, GPL a bit later on about making poker more of a fan experience, making it more of an experience for the viewers rather than the players. And this is a situation where if you are a casual viewer, if you're just looking to be entertained, this can be the difference between watching something and just thinking. I don't have time for this. Yeah, I think it was a layer upon a layer because most people hate really slow acting players anyway. Yeah, and that's yeah. a dull thing. And once you like, once we're in our ninth hour of broadcast, and you're still giving guys three minutes to make a decision, but it's just the fact that we had to spend three minutes looking, and going. <gasps> it's like, do you know what? Like we weren't already slightly tilted by waiting so long for every check. Is now we've got to stare at this guy inflating and deflating like a bouncy castle. Well, I mean, that th- and that reminds me of two of my favorite. As far as I'm concerned, Gilles and his breathing was like the story of the tournament. I mean, that ended up being what the what the entire broadcast was focused on from like day five onward. And um, so I decided that what I would do is when I was going to introduce him as the runner up, that I was going to take a pause and breathe in and out a couple of times before I actually uh, announced his name. Now, I realized that this ended up not working for a couple of reasons. <laughs> there were like a, a, a few people that wrote in on Twitter like, oh man, can't believe you almost forgot the runner-up's name. And one of the reasons why I think people probably thought that is A, because I have forgotten people's names before and I have taken a pregnant pause occasionally while I've tried to compose my thoughts live on the air. So I do have, as James would say, previous for making that, <laughs> that sort of mistake. But then also like because I was afraid I would be told not to do that, I didn't tell anyone on the production I had that plan, so they weren't really like they didn't have any camera coverage of me because I would rather ask forgiveness than permission. But as a result of that, no one was ready for it. Well, now you've been taught a valuable lesson in teamwork, haven't you? <laughs> oh, 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 wow! Way to wow. way to rub salt in the wound. <laughs> Because and, seriously, okay. if you tipped them off in advance, they would have cut to you. They would have given you a close-up and the joke would have played. And I don't know why you think that anyone would have an issue with that as a joke. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just like, just so often I, like, pitch things for this show or other shows. And you're like, nope, can't do it. Here's why. We don't own the rights to breathing. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. So I, I was, was going like, to say, I-, I wish that we had the rights to the Darth Vader sound effect. Because that would have made it oh. so much more entertaining across the well, last two days. And that was the other thing. Now, I'll, I'll tell this to the EPT Not Live superfans. Do you remember at certain points, like, I was just so bored and we had nothing left to say that I was doing the sound effects <laughs> of him breathing, going... <laughs> it's quite, quite gurgly, quite nasal noise. 
and like so many people out there thought it was real and we never <laughs> hinted that it wasn't and we got to the point where our our producer john was like i could see him with his finger on the button about to tell me to stop like every time <laughs> i could tell he was not a fan of it happening and james was james and matt were playing along great by being like can we uh can we kill his mic can we can we bring his <laughs> mic down a little bit and then i would stop making the noise but uh, luckily we were able to have some fun with it because man there wasn't a lot to talk about toward the end of that yeah the moment that i start throwing the sound department under the bus and actually say that it's real people think i'm trustworthy <laughs> I'm awful, you man. fucking idiots uh, just <laughs> really quick uh, i also played all those challenges that week just a quick recap of that so i was playing those milestone challenges i made exactly six dollars and ten cents in challenges and i lost 250 dollars playing <laughs> poker oh and and god knows how many like great moments of poker that I missed because I was with my face in my computer clicking and like writing berating people in the chat. So this so, is an experiment that we will not be repeating in Monaco, basically. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think we're going to stick to the one buck bounty bonanza and things that you know that don't necessarily require my full attention. James, Matt, and I talked about the fact there was no passport control. I already talked to you about that, but you had a you had a bumpy ride. On the way back First from Dublin. First time. And bear in mind that I fly more than the average person. I mean, obviously, we travel a lot for work. This is the first time I've ever had an aborted landing. <gasps> now, it was really windy over West London on the Sunday that we flew back from Dublin. And the plane was rocking like hell coming through the clouds. I mean, mm. it was really nasty. And there were two very sweet old Rockin'. Irish... Rocking and a rolling. Exactly. Uh, and two very sweet old Irish ladies next to me were kind of like getting, like gripping the seats and like feeling it a little bit. As James, the, be honest, were you gripping their hands or were they gripping the seats? They were gripping the seats. I was engrossed, by the way, in the film Tomorrowland, which I tweeted about that I thoroughly enjoyed. I think Love it's it, an man. underrated it, movie, man. which didn't get the critical acclaim or the audience it deserved. So I was actually worried because the flight from Dublin to London is really short. It's like, what, 50 minutes? Yeah, yeah, just under an hour, I think. Yeah, yeah. And this is like a two and a bit hour movie. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to watch the whole thing. But we were stuck on the ground at Dublin forever. Yep. And I'm like 20 minutes from the end of this film. And think, think, I'm thinking, do you know what? I'll just watch it in the cab on the way back from the airport. But as we're coming into land and it's reached a very emotional moment in the film. I mean, we are literally level with the ground. The wheels are about to touch the ground at the point that a gust of wind catches the plane, tips it to a near 45 degree angle. And the pilot realizes... <laughs> that the wheels are not going to touch the ground before the, the wing wings. scrapes the ground. So he clearly... And doesn't this is, seem like that big of a deal. <laughs> this is, and this is why you still need trained pilots. I know computers can do a lot in terms of automated landings and takeoffs, but in a situation like this, you need a guy with shit-hot instincts to yank those controls, fire the engines back up, <laughs> and so we take off a really steep angle back up into the sky. I should, I should make it clear that when James just acted that out, it looked like he was flying an X-Wing. He made that sound way more exciting because <laughs> saying, you know, we need humans, there's never going to be a computer that goes, fuck, and just pulls on everything and presses all the buttons at once, is there? I actually just had this conversation with a friend because because uh, Google is about to start releasing the, like, the first uh, computer-driven cars for Uber, right? Uh, and I was like, but there's no replacement for, like, human gut and instinct, right? And he's like, no, actually, computers can make 10,000 more um, calculations and, like, the fraction of a time that human beings can. And people just think that there's, like, no replacement for human instinct. So, James, probably if a computer was flying that plane, it would have never been in that situation in the first place. <laughs> that, that's a good point. 
But yeah. and the, so, but the worst part that I was thinking about this too because I had a bumpy landing, James, and w- we landed though, and I thought to myself, if they abort the landing. Do you have to get back in line in yes. the queue to land again? See, that would be the worst part to well, me because because you have this this crazy near death experience and still now you got to wait to go back to the ground. Well, it sucks for two reasons because one now you've got to go back up through the cloud, bump 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 yeah. bump, circle and then come back down through the cloud again, more bump 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 bump. However, and this is why I consider it to be a chop pot. I was <laughs> able to finish Tomorrowland. Well, because there was uh, an extra geez. fifteen minutes tacked onto my landing, but of course, as I mentioned. The finale is quite emotional, and as discussed on a recent edition of this very podcast, it doesn't take much to set me off in a film. I will cry through pretty much anything. So the ending of Tomorrowland, which I found very emotional, had me in tears. So the the Irish ladies next to me who are doing the whole kind of spectacles, testicles, wallet and watch thing and thanking Jesus and the Heavenly Father for the fact the plane didn't crash are like... Are you all right, dear? Because they think I'm upset about the fact we nearly crashed. I was like, no, it's because of the film. See, I'm wondering if actually James is a white wizard. It's like Witches of Eastwick. He's sitting there going, man, I wish this flight wasn't going to land. I wish this flight wasn't going to land. <laughs> Boom, all of a sudden the heavens blow his plane up just long enough to finish the film. Coincidence? I agree with you, Matt, I think, but he's more like the really bratty, um, what's his, the omnis- om- omnipotent kid from Twilight Zone, the movie, is more James than uh, which is of Eastwick. James, I look, I cried at the end of Tomorrowland, and I also cried at the beginning of Tomorrowland. I <laughs> cried in the first scene I was in tears of that movie. I also thought that movie was awesome. Matt, did no, you I didn't anyone? cry. <laughs> no, Thank Matt, you. Matt, Matt, I have no I do soul. not cry, I cry in movies. <laughs> I know Matt the robot didn't cry at uh, at Tomorrowland, even though he, I mean he hasn't seen it yet. But I still know that he won't cry when he does see it. Matt, I have. I thought oh, it was very, seen it. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really inventive and lots of really amazing ideas. But no, at no point did I was I even tempted to cry. That's it's so point. weird, then, guys, because why is this movie getting panned so much? Like it just got destroyed by critics and audiences. That's bizarre. I don't know why. I thought it looked amazing. I thought there was some great little inventions in it, some real clever little twists. And Absolutely. I, I I watched it and thought, well, that was great. I really enjoyed it. But I don't know. It just didn't get picked up, did it? Did you uh, did you meet any dentists this time in the airport? <laughs> Do you know what? I had I had so many tweets after that last EPT not live going. How's your mouth? Is <laughs> actually I got uh, a message from my from my dental assistant Indy because obviously the fact I was using <laughs> I was using his photo for the uh, for the Envision podcast and I thought you know it's only courteous to let him know. Look, I hope you're okay. I'm going to use the photo we took in the airport. Um, and also I'm aware that though you can obviously go back and listen to all the audio podcasts. The video elements are very much, and if you didn't catch it, you're probably not going to see it again. So I'd made sure that he knew when we were broadcasting and when the breaks were to try and catch it. And he sent me an email uh, when I got back from Dublin saying, Hi, Matt. Uh, I've seen it. Awesome. Very funny. He was probably referring to my bits. He said, I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually from Belgium because I think I had him pegged as, a, as an American. And we talked about the fact he didn't charge me. That's why he didn't charge me. Is a Belgian. The PCA was his first ever <laughs> EPT. He actually qualified online. Um, he said, so we might meet again at some EPT. Take care for now. I don't know if that take care for now is generic or if it's a mouth-related. I think it's of, mouth-related. It's like, stop chewing on Mentos. Exactly. Cheers, mate. Brush Indy. your teeth, kids. So it's all, it's all nice. He got to see it. He got to uh, see his moment of fame with his, uh, his little photo on the stream. And uh, since then, my tooth has been good. Mouth and case closed. What? We can't talk about it anymore now, huh? It's sad. It's sad to put put that put that chapter to bed. Hey, let's move on to the the American Poker Awards and do a little event recap. Event recap. Event recap. 
Yes, it is awards season. I think it's worth pointing out that with that music, we should also drop quick reference to the Academy Awards, the Oscars, which took place this weekend, which I thought was an absolutely horrific, borderline unwatchable ceremony. So much so that I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I did not watch it either. I was uh, I was actually just flown in here to Fargo that night, and I was in no mood to be watching um, the Academy Awards. I will say that the American Poker Awards took place the same weekend as Oscar weekend, which is actually kind of confusing because they they took place a few blocks from each other. And I think it, it isn't fair to say that the American Poker Awards completely overshadowed the Oscars <laughs> in every they, single I, way. They probably couldn't hire a single limo, could they? I bet everyone had to rock up to the Poker Awards like on horse and cart. But on the subject of the Poker Awards, this is something obviously we've discussed before, Joe, because you were involved in the production, but also uh, something else. If we rewind the clock... Back to the last episode of EPT Not Live. I am nominated for an American Poker World. So maybe it'll be an award-winning host of the uh, of the podcast. Or maybe just a really, really, really bitter piece of shit. Oh, right. I was supposed to tell you guys whether or not I'm celebrating or whether or not I'm... A, what am I, a bitter, a bitter asshole? A bitter... Are you... A, so, Joe, are you a bitter piece of shit or are you currently <laughs> licking a trophy by your bedside? Let's not bury the lead. I am a bitter piece of shit. <laughs> uh, Kara Scott won the award and not to say that Kara is not deserving. Who, no, look, look. I'm like in my mind, I'm assuming like I was second place, but I don't even know that, right? Like I could have very well finished fourth. Tuckman was was nominated. Sarah Herring was nominated. I will say it's just like it's it's look, it's annoying because part of it is James, you know, doesn't it seem like what we do is like largely ignored in America? I'm surprised that you were nominated, not because I don't think you're talented or worthy of nomination, but considering these are the American Poker Awards, and therefore I kind of feel more about the American poker scene and TV in America rather than the nationality of the people involved, I was very surprised that you were even in the top four. Uh, so I mean, I was in the top four because I was part of the nominating panel, so, you know... <laughs> Um, and so, like, okay, so one of one of my not that it's a real issue, but one thing that I noticed was that when they're when they're flashing the names on the screen for like who is nominated, it says like Kara Scott, and it's like all of her credits, and it's Dave Tuckman and all of his credits, and then my name comes up, and it says EPT commentator. Well, how many people in America are even aware of the EPT? Not that many, but then I was like, if you're going to list everybody's everything, like, where is EBT Live? Where is EBT Not Live? Where is Shark Cage? Where are all the other things, you know, that I did over the course of the year? And I was like, <clears throat> this, this doesn't seem fair. And then, <clears throat> so at the beginning of the awards, they, the first thing they do is they, like, introduce the jury, right? So the, the award was actually uh, decided by like I think it was twelve people or something. Maybe it was it was less than that. Twelve and of your peers. Exactly. And so as they're flashing the name on the screen, I'm like, well, that guy said he voted for me. <laughs> and that guy said he voted for me. She said that she voted for me. She's one of my best friends. And like eleven out of twelve people are like, well, they all told me they voted for me or they're really close friends of mine. I got this locked up. And then they're <laughs> like and also it's crazy awkward because Kara Scott's hosting the awards. And then, so Ty Stewart comes up to announce the award for this category. And before he even, oh, he goes, and the winner is, and before he even opens the envelope, he goes, the lovely and talented 
Kara Scott. Like he had, he he said her name. So then, like the really crazy conspiracy <laughs> theorist to me is like maybe it didn't even say Kara. Like maybe I really did win, and he just decided <laughs> to announce that. And now everyone's so embarrassed that they can't they can't even go back on it. Like they have to stick with what Ty Stewart now, said. Now I have a bit of inside information, Joe, because I just listened to the two plus two poker cast presented by the PokerStars VIP Club. Uh, and they had <laughs> sick plug. They had Alex Dreyfus on there, and uh, Adam was asking him about Kara's win. Kara knew all the winners in advance, so she knew what was in the envelopes. They had to give her a fake name for the uh, TV presenter award because obviously they didn't want her to know that she'd won. So it may well be that the name that was in the envelope was somebody else's name, and that's why Ty was able to announce Kara Scott without opening the envelope. Oh, man, are you serious? So what you're saying is, like, if I had nosed around more and, like, gotten that that envelope to check out my theory, I, there's a good chance I could have seen my name. Possibly, because <gasps> certainly... I would have had a fucking meltdown... <laughs> Certainly, Kara was 100% given someone else's name and told that someone what else had won. It's a slow roll for Kara. Like, why would they even do that to her? That's and so bizarre. What if she had told that person at a time? Like, don't worry, you got this locked up. I've just got visions. You know that Miss World where they crowned one and then they went, actually, I'm wrong. I've got visions of Joe up there with his crown and scepter and like just, you know, just basking it. And they go, I'm awfully sorry. We've made a mistake. Can we just have that back? And him just holding on to it like, give it. It's my crown. I won this. That's so funny because I actually thought maybe it was in my head that he didn't open the envelope before he said her name, but that that actually happened. Makes sense. If it's any consolation, Joe, Alex went on to talk about how much he likes you, how funny he finds you, that you're a very talented comedian. I and work for next to nothing, probably. It would have been the only honest answer. And then when he started talking about the GPL and, and, and the future for this, this league he's created, he kept talking about taking baby stapes. And I'm thinking... Why is he referring to his baby steps? And then I realized it's the accent and he's saying baby steps. But in, in all seriousness, I thought that was his nickname for you. He's talking about how baby stapes is going to be involved. Oh, little baby stapes. Now at 43 years old, I can't really pull off the baby thing anymore. Um, yeah, let's talk about the GPI draft a little bit. So before the award ceremony even happened, uh, now I'd flown in the night before, okay? And so I landed at 3.30, but that was, you know, there was what? What is three thirty? It's like eleven thirty p.m. London time. Um, we end up doing a rehearsal the night before. They cut me loose about ten o'clock at night, and I needed to write a bunch of stuff for the next day, and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I was at home in bed at ten. Not at home. I was uh, in a hotel room in bed. Excuse me. At ten thirty at night, which is a normal time for some people to go to bed. Not me. And uh, so I was exhausted. And so, but the next day I had to host this live GPI draft. And, you know, in typical Alex Dreyfus fashion, the details of this, now I'm not a good question asker, James. If this had been your job, you would have known all this stuff ahead of time. But the details of which is this it's five hours, no breaks. It was five hours straight of being on the air. And, we had these chairs set up, you know, it was like, you know, kind of like a sports center style thing with some chairs set up. It was me, Eric Danis, Phil Helmuth, and Daniel Negreanu were supposed to be hosting this draft for five hours. And as we were getting started, I didn't like the way I looked sitting down. I actually thought it would be easier to stand for five hours, too, than sit on these really weird, awkward stools that they had. So the first thing I did was like, guys, is it OK? Like, we're like 30 seconds to air. I'm like, can I ditch the chair? And they said, yes. So the first bunch of tweets that came in were like, why didn't Stapes get a chair? What? <laughs> uh, Stapes, Stapes is like such a low, he doesn't allow a chair. And I just wrote this tweet that said, 
I didn't like the way the chair creased my suit. Leave me the fuck alone. I was like irritated that's all anyone was focusing on now you know the trick for the future by the way about the creasing of jackets and i learned this from the film broadcast news because uh it's it's the tip that william hurt gives to albert brooks which is you need to pull your jacket down and basically sit on the bottom of your jacket so that it pulls it straight over your shoulders there you go yeah well i don't like being constricted so standing was what worked for me um james we worked with this production company and god bless them they were trying really hard but you know how hard it is to do a live thing when, you know, you haven't done a ton of live stuff before. And so there were a few little, like, technical things that made it pretty difficult. One of which being that if anyone else was talking at all, that I could not hear the director. Okay. Not, and the not other having thing, that clear line of, uh, of direction could be an issue when making a five-hour live show. Mm. Correct. And there was no talk back. And also there was like no Skype. There was like literally no way for me to get in touch with anyone in the production, especially because we were on the air for five straight hours. Like, so there wasn't even a break really where I could tell someone anything. So that made things a little difficult. It was also a little difficult is that for some reason, the technology they were using, they couldn't cut to things right away. Like it just made me really appreciate how smooth things go on EPT Live is basically what it is. Because on EPT Live, I'm like, hey, why don't we take a look at the why don't we take a look at the dealer? And like within five seconds, someone's got a shot of the dealer ready to go. If I said anything like that, it would be like a full 90 seconds before <laughs> we could actually look at anything. And so the other thing is that um they needed time. They needed time like in between like let's say when a team made their decision to like get the graphic ready and to like get the name written into the graphics stuff. And so but I never knew how much time that was gonna be. And so sometimes I would have to fill for two minutes. Sometimes I would have to fill for five minutes. One time we had to fill for twelve minutes and I never knew what that length of time was going to be. It was going to be, just keep going, keep filling, keep filling, keep filling. Okay, now go, now go, <laughs> now go. And so th this whole thing, somehow, from everything I've heard, it was a really good show and a really good broadcast. I don't know how it happened. It was by complete and utter chance that somehow it managed to be a good show. Look at and Joe, he's all grown up. He's now the straight man. He's now the lead. He's now the anchor. I mean, it was so weird. And the, the really fun thing is that there were some great moments that happened on the broadcast between Phil and Daniel. Here are some of them now. Tony Gregg, he's nearly a perfect poker player. Daniel, any thoughts on Tony? Like I said, I was the one who mentioned him being... <laughs> okay, we got it. We got it, Daniel. You're so the one who brought him up. Well, it's true. You said we brought him up. We didn't bring him we're up. We're a team here. When you get that from your peers, you know, that, that's a lot more valuable sure. than us. Oh, gum. you can't pick talent? Is that what you're trying to say, Daniel? I'm sorry? You can't pick talent? Who? I know. I said, what the peers what you... know better than you know? Well, you're, obviously your peers are going to know better. If you've never played with a guy, how are you going to have a... I disagree. You, you, could so have, you, you can, can never play with a guy, never watch Phil, a guy play, and have peer. a better idea you, than the people who play with him. Phil, you count you as a peer. You put words in my mouth, but what, you, what you're saying is what I'm saying is this. Like I'm saying that pe some people are good at judging talent and some people aren't. Just because someone's peers with someone else doesn't mean they're good at judging their no, talent. No, what I said was all of his peers, happens, you know, there's a lot of credit. I would give that than what these two bozos over exactly. here. Exactly. He's saying that, <laughs> Phil, you're included in that as I'm being one of his peers. No, you're not a bozo. I'm a bozo. I'm a bozo with a microphone. You're a peer. It's right. okay. Daniel's well, uh, right again for the 400th time with me, but <laughs> I'm going to well, catch him wrong one the whole of these days. Will he admit it? Will he admit it?
From if pick, someone's going to mess up didn't the get, draft, it's because they picked badly in the first or second round. But anyway, let's move that, on that's from that. Like what do you think so about Kevin? categorically wrong. I understand you think that. I would have thought you would have loved Kevin McPhee because he is in the maniac category. And So why I would I love that, a maniac? Because you, you and I just had a discussion 10 minutes ago where we both agreed that maniacs play heads up better and there's a lot of No, I up. never ever said anything remotely close to the idea that maniacs play heads up better. I feel like say you, that. I feel like you did say something close to that, but yeah. solid safe ones. I said wouldn't, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the maniacs would. Oh, I don't know. About <laughs> that one. I don't know. About All that I know one. is this: viewers at home, viewers at home, just Yikes. rewind about, I think about we need to nine put up, and a half I we, minutes. I think we need to put up a Twitter right. poll. I think we're down to maybe you know maybe. But less I agree than a with your point. Obviously, Daniel and I've been wasting too much time arguing about this because uh, that's what the people want, baby. It's okay. Okay, we can keep fighting. I don't mind. I like it. <laughs> so then, uh, so then after that, I had a about an hour off um, before the American Poker Awards started. And they decided that day to tell me, well, the night before, Kara's like, so you're going to be on stage with me in the beginning, right? And do like a bunch of monologue jokes. What? And I was like, no, you, no, you, I'm not. You read the actual email on air of the brief of what your job was. And there was nothing in there about being on stage and doing an opening monologue. Exactly. And so I was like, look, I'll do like one or two jokes at the beginning, but I can't. I'm not doing it. Like, I'm not prepared for this. I don't have time to, like, write a bunch of stuff. And look, James, you've seen me do two of those award shows now. No matter how good the jokes are, you're just set up to fail. Nobody gives a shit. No one is listening to the person who's on stage. And obviously, I've sat through two European awards ceremonies. I mean, you remember the last one we were at. Yeah, where Kara was doing the show. And no one was really paying attention to anything she was saying. No. And it was the same the year before in Deauville when Joe hosted the awards with Gail. It's just like people having dinner. They've had quite a lot to drink and there's something going on on the stage, but you're not really paying attention. Yeah. So Kara kicked off the, so I was like, look, she was like, I think you should be on the stage with me and where Kara explained what my real job was during the show. And basically because they were live streaming the awards, there were two breaks in the awards where they were going to give everyone a chance to eat dinner and during those two 20-minute breaks, that's when I was supposed to jump on the live stream to entertain the live stream audience. So she had me on stage, and the way she teed things up, and she was like, Joe Stableton's here to make everyone laugh. And I hate yeah. – like, I know that's, like, my thing, but I hate being teed up like that. And so – and she's like, and it's really awkward because we're nominated in the same category. And I was like, well, Carrie, here's what I think we should do. When you say it's really awkward, I'm going to go not as awkward as this, and then I'm going to try to kiss you on stage, and you should slap me. <laughs> And she was like, this idea is really funny, but I'm not a very good slapper, um, which I think <laughs> was her way of saying, wow. I don't think. And, and I ultimately agreed that the, that, uh, that moment could have been so awkward that no one would have actually laughed. They wouldn't have known what to do. If I'd been there, I, I would have laughed. Even if it was genuine, I would have laughed. Well, that, and I think is I briefly considered just doing it anyway so I could actually get a genuine awkward reaction out of her. Didn't do that. Told a couple jokes to five people in front. Who were watching? Uh, so all that stand up was really good training. It turns out. Yes, absolutely. All that bombing was good training yeah, bombing for bombing. For, for talking to five people up the front, it's really paid dividends. <laughs> exactly. I'm so used to playing to a small audience. Um, some of the big shots from our company were there too. James, I ended up sitting at a table with Eric Holreiser and Rebecca McAdam, which was a little awkward because. Um, one of the first guys who won an award, I think like Byron Caverman won an award or something. And um, I yelled clock in the middle of his speech. And I looked over and like neither Eric nor Rebecca were laughing. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just not going to 
do that anymore. Joe, did and I see me- that Sarah Shafak was at the awards? She was. She sat two seats away from me. Yeah. I have, I have um, a simple question, and I don't begrudge the girl a seat at the ceremony, but why? Why not? Why not? I do not know why she was there. I was happy to sit with her. I was happy to see Sarah in Los Angeles. Um, was Big Horse there? Big Horse Lee Jones was there. Um, I mean, a lot a lot of people were there. It was kind of like a who's who of poker or whatever. Um, my favorite part of the night was that Kev Math won an award. Uh, it was like some like a special jury prize or something, and like a kind of like a lifetime achievement award thing. And uh, you know, Kev Math is worthy of some kind of award. I mean, the what he contributes to the poker world is certainly worth recognizing. But the funniest part was that this dude gets up on stage. And you would expect him to give like a really short and awkward speech. He got up there and just pitched a tent. Like he gave the longest speech of anyone the entire night. There was a point where he made that, he did that move where like he put his hands on the podium and crossed his legs. And he was like really comfortable up there, like just so comfortable and was just like ad libbing and riffing. And then Joe Ingram yells like, we love you, Kev Math. And he's like, I love you, Poppy. And it was like, <laughs> you would have never expected that this dude that you is like, just sort of you'd expect is like, just kind of be like lying in the weeds. Oh, thanks very much for your award. He went up there and just complete, like it had the longest speech ever. Like I started mimicking the band music. I was like, because I thought it was time <laughs> for him to get off the stage, um, which really is what I should have been doing getting off the stage. Um, so I did I did really enjoy my job as quote unquote seat filler, which was to basically fill the breaks with uh, with some fun content. And I had a really good time. I took some of our classic games, James, and I took them to the crowd and we got to talk to some different people than usual. And I thought you guys might enjoy hearing some of them. Here's a little bit of Stapes job as seat filler. Hello, my baby. Stapes here. We are back live from the American Poker Awards 2016, although I think 2015 technically is, it doesn't matter. We're here. We're live. It's another dinner break. I'm going to try my best to entertain you guys. Make sure you don't turn the stream off. The first person that's on my radar right now is Daniel Negreanu, and I'm going to have him do a little bit more Real Talk Stapes Poker Awards. So let's, let's go get some Daniel action. By the way, you were the subject of one of the uh, fake awards tonight, which was the best Daniel Negreanu Twitter poll. And the winner was, what is the best way to cover up your fart in public? What, what, so what, what's the question? The, well, the question was, which was your best poll? Are you a morning person or a night person? Do you think it's okay to spank your children? Would you vote for a fat president? What is the best way to cover up for a, a fart in public? So the fart thing won? The fart thing won? Said, that was not one of my polls. Was that not one of yours? Never one of mine. No. Who was I thinking of then? No, that was somebody else. I'll tell you sure what. that was somebody else. I'll let you do one more thing, a little more lighthearted this time, so we don't have to call anybody out specifically. I want you to make your pick for the best rejected GPL team. Here we go. Okay. The Toronto Apologists. I like that. That's good. The Chicago Under the Guns. Okay. Topical. The Chernobyl Mutants. Okay. It was a long time ago. I think we can joke about it now. The Seattle Runaways. I'm going to go with, uh, this is an easy one. The Toronto Apologists. I mean, I'm sorry to the other candidates. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Daniel is sorry, and he knows what you're talking about. Daniel Negrano, everybody. So that's the American Poker Awards, and uh, it was a good night overall. But I got to tell you, James, I'm very happy to be back on television. TV recap. Yes, we have returned 
to Channel 4 on Tuesday nights. If you're not in the UK or Ireland, the good news is that you can watch the show at pokerstars.tv and it should be available right now. Should point out, by the way, that if you're in the UK and Ireland and you miss the show on Channel 4, you can't watch it on pokerstars.tv for seven days, but you can watch it on all four, or alternatively, wait a week to watch it on pokerstars.tv. Um, was that confusing? That cleared it up completely. I have no idea what you I just don't know. Said. I just I just do the shows. I don't really need to know how to watch them. Uh, but the cru- crucial thing is that many people have got to watch the first episode. This is the first of seven shows uh, from last season's grand final, which I appreciate did take place in May of last year. So you James, are- what in the ever-living fuck took so long to get this on the air? Well... The reality is that it's only been a two-month delay, because if you think about it, Shark Cage took us to the end of 2015, and normally we would then start the Monaco coverage in January. So actually, it's only an eight-week delay, but granted, that is still an issue, and it's an issue created by the fact that, to be brutally honest, we're making fewer shows this year, and we therefore wanted to make sure that there are reg- there's regular shows going out and regular breaks. So... There's a two-month break in January, February. We've now got the seven grand final shows. Then we're going to kick off EPT 12. I think it's going to be like a a 13-week series that's going to take us as far as Dublin, where we just came from. Then there's going to be a summer break, and then we'll pick up again in the autumn uh, with the grand final uh, of this season. And then, of course, the events from this autumn. So what you're saying is we're going to catch up to real time pretty close eventually? Yes, So whilst this is probably one of the biggest delays we've ever had, the reality is the Dublin High Roller, which took place in mid-February, you will get to see on TV in April. Okay, that's fair. But also, and I don't want to make people sad, but once season 12 starts, say goodbye to day two and three coverage, right? We're just doing final tables only. For this year, it's final tables only. So as far as EPT 12 is concerned, it's going to be the final table of Barcelona, Malta and Prague. Uh, We've got the Super High Roller final from the PCA and the main event, uh, the High Roller final table from Dublin and the main event. When it comes to uh, next year, when it comes to 2017, I don't know. But certainly for this year, the good news is you get every single stop of the tour. The bad news is it's final tables only. But... The argument for that, and I get it, is that people like to see a champion. They like to see a show where there's only six or eight players remaining and it's all on the line and someone's going to walk away with a trophy and around a million euros. That's the advantage of doing final tables only. The disadvantage is you do lose, I think, a lot of the characters and stories that emerge during that early day coverage. So maybe... When we get to 2017, it's all up in the air right now. It'll be a mix of the two. People want to see glory, trophies, and big monies, right? That's what's up for grabs when you find yourself playing on the EPT. Correct. Uh, now, normally, we would break down that first show, but because we've got so much other stuff to talk about this week, what we're going to do is next week, episode 38, we'll do a full breakdown of shows one and two. So episode one is day two, and episode two is the first half of day three, which is the bubble coverage. Both these shows highlight Olashemian and Ludovic Geilich, and I'm hoping that we can get Agro Ludo on next week's show to come on as a guest. Gravy Boat, yeah, he can't be that hard of a get, right? He's basically when, told I mean, me I... he's told me in principle he's down to do it. He just wants me to remind him nearer the time. So we should be able to get Ludo on next week's show. So we'll do a full review of those first two episodes. So a reminder that if you're in the UK, Channel 4 is the best place to watch it. 
Everyone else should be able to see the shows on Pokestars.tv. New episodes uploaded every Wednesday. But while we're talking TV, Joe, we actually yes. had competition last night. Because while our show was going out on Channel 4, on Twitch, Mr. Broughton, the yeah. other commentator, decided to provide people with an alternative form of entertainment. Well, actually... Did you know you were going up against us, Matt? No, it was cleverly timed, <laughs> is that I was going to stop in time for the broadcast. But something happened. So actually, it was very, it was very cleverly orchestrated by me. You're very welcome. That I was yeah. going to start at eight. I was going to go until like midnight, and then I was kind of, kind of effectively hand over and say, "By the way, guys, la di da di da." Because of course, the whole thing with Twitch is everyone's chatting to you, and you're kind of talking about, "Hey, where's Joe? What's James doing?" Blah blah blah. But the the thing was, this all started because a whole bunch of people had kind of been nudging me to do some poker. Twitch streaming because I've done lots of video game stuff with Metal Gear and Fallout and obviously myself and you Joe we, we had some fun last year I guess it was doing some video game streaming um, so I thought okay so I was spending a lot of my downtime in Dublin really genning up on how to properly stream how to make the stream look good what people like to have the, the details and, ha and how you go about it so I did a test from my home last week to make sure technology wise I could do it and then last night was my big launch now, I don't want to say that the response was underwhelming, but at one point, one of my viewers, Kieran, said, I've just been awarded something on Twitch. I've just got a hero award. And I said, what's that? And he uh... sent me a screenshot that said, congratulations, you've been watching a stream with less than 10 viewers for more than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, was in, I, I can't pretend I had some like aspirations, but... I actually got up to a whopping 19 viewers at one point. Hey, buddy, but, okay. I mean, the good thing is you get a very intimate level of care between me. At one point, it went down to 15, and I really panicked. Because if you've got 19, and then suddenly it goes to 15, you think, what did I do wrong? What did I say? Right. Well, you it's just like, lost a quarter of you know, your audience. If, if you, I got, did you become racist? Did if you, I got uh, 3,000 and it goes down to 28, I'm like, Shh, you know what? You know, it's just natural. Kind of, It's going to happen. But... It got to midnight. It was coming up to midnight, and that's when I thought, I'm going to stop this now because I was going to come and actually just sit and watch watch the shows on the TV. And we were down to about 13 or 15 viewers. I'm playing like 50-50s and, and spin and go, and I'm just mucking around. We're just chatting about video games. And suddenly in the chat box appears Jamie Staples. He goes, hi, Matt. Great to see you streaming. <laughs> wow, a celebrity. And I go, wow. Hey, mate, how you doing? He said, just to let you know, I'm just about to finish my stream. Oh, the other thing I found out is that Jason Somerville last night also did his first stream. So pretty much I was doomed before I began because though I knew that you guys were going to be on Channel 4, I didn't realize that Jason was back on. So Matt, considering that, 13 viewers is a lot. There I know. are 13 people that don't want to watch Jamie or Jason. That's incredible. So anyway, so that I didn't know. So a lot of people say, no, mate, don't take it hard. Don't take it hard. Jason's on. I'm like, do you know what? I don't mind. I'm, I'm cool with this. But Jamie Staples appears and says, I'm about to finish my stream. I'm going to host yours. Now, if people don't appreciate at home what that means, it's like, imagine, it's like an auto redirect. So now anyone that's been watching Jamie is going to get automatically bounced to my stream. Anyone who now comes and tries to go and watch Jamie's is going to get automatic bounced to my stream. So, so what this means is at this point, when James and Joe are on at midnight, you're like, fuck them. <laughs> I got a thousand viewers now. So I go, in the blink of an eye, I get a little notification in my chat box that says Jamie Staples is now hosting you. I go from uh, 13 viewers to 860. And I feel, 
I feel like the small pub that can serve like four tables of people and suddenly 50 coaches come off the M25 <laughs> and they all want a full roast dinner. Because I'm, I've suddenly people are going for, they're trying to get the prompts for the night bot and they want to know what the paint was. I don't do any of this stuff because I've got 15 people. If someone's got a question, I can probably handle it. I got no mods. I got people like Glenn Weber with, oh, with they're me. Doing like the, they're doing like the exclamation point yeah. thing, like expecting to get answers like, Book commentator, book payouts. D they want payouts. They were asking what the delay is. I didn't have a delay. I said there were like 12 of us. What are the chances of one of my 12 viewers also happening to play on a 50-50 with me? <laughs> I've now got over 850 people just absolutely scrambling the life out of my Twitch. And I won't, I won't lie to you. I could big myself up. Within minutes, about 200 of them are gone. But, of course, now I can't abandon this no. stream. Because I'm thinking this is great. And I can show James here. The other thing that happened that was unbelievable was that if I show you this to James, can you see Twitch? I'm being followed. I'm being unfollowed. Wow. I'm but your email I'm, inbox wait. is basically just full of people now following, following you on following. Twitch. And the odd, the odd result from PokerStars I should poke out because I did actually win quite a lot. Uh, excuse me. Go back, go back, go back, go back. That's a good one. Poker Staples is now following you. That's Jamie hey. himself. Oh, I didn't even notice that. But you can see is in the space of like that about an hour. I ended up with like hundreds and hundreds of new followers. I'm not even joking. If I could show that scrolls on forever in my emails. So now I have to stay entertaining these kids. And I am so not prepared for this in any way whatsoever. That's probably I, a good thing though, right? I mean, yeah, for Twitch, I, so. I think a less preparation, yeah. probably the better. And I also look like utter shit because I'm like sitting there with my hair all backwards. It's like midnight. I've got, I'm in my spare room. I've got these purple curtains behind me and I'm using the chroma key to make the purple curtains disappear but they're kind of silky and the light's bouncing off it. And if I put my head in certain positions, the curtains bounce back into life. And then if I move, the curtains disappear again into my background. So I'm doing that. That's as the a... kind of thing that will really upset the Twitch audience. They well, don't. I turned it into a magic show. <laughs> so I'm saying to 800 people, do you want to see some magic? I can make the curtains appear and now I can make the curtains disappear. And I'm getting a lot of love for it. And they were all very game. Uh, but the only problem was then I got a, a message from, from Corinne, my wife, on my phone going, um, and this is about half past one going, um, look, I've really got to hang up some washing in the spare room and I need to go to bed. <laughs> so I am the only man in the history of, of Twitch. I'm pretty sure that went from 13 viewers to 863 in the blink of an eye, picked up about 200 followers in one hour and also had to stop streaming because the wife needed to hang up some wet washing and go to bed. So I wrapped it up. I ended up, by the time I closed, I still had about 200 people watching. I was hugely grateful. It was a lot of fun. And the good thing was I also got to push the home game. Excellent. Because I thought, well, I started off just chatting with the guys. But, of course, a huge amount of people that were watching Jamie Staples saw him with us in Dublin. Yeah. So it actually wasn't a hugely alien crossover because people, I even recognized some of the Twitch names. And they're going, hey, it's Matt. And it actually was a fantastic handover. And, and also, the last thing I did, because I don't know what to do with all these people, is one of the guys said, send them to Elkie. So I took where Jamie had been hosting me. I then sent the host to Elkie, who's sitting <laughs> playing StarCraft, who just suddenly got this influx of people. And I was like, evening, Elkie. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so see you. <laughs> so see you. <laughs> Didn't know what the hell he, was going did on. Did he have Mal 5 with him? He didn't. He had a girl with him, so I think that was much better than a plastic mouse. I could be wrong. But Real. anyway, it did give me the opportunity to push the home game, which I know leads us into the next episode. Which is awesome, because that means that you are fully rehearsed and ready for next Good week's job, Twitch Good job, Matt, stream. by the way. That's, that's awesome. That's, it's I'm, fantastic. I'm really, 
I saw you were doing that, and I was like, oh, man, I really want to be a part of that. I'm glad that you had, like, a little audience boost. And, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's all you need to, like, actually start a real audience base for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and it was kind of nice because everyone could see what was going on. But, uh, you know, I'm like, because people go, oh, my God, what are you going to do when all these people turn up? And I'm like, just carry on doing what I'm doing. We were chatting about squirrel stew and fallout and what's the best way to level up. And meanwhile, just killing a few really, really cheap sit and goes. It was fun. Well, here's, gotta the, be honest. here's the question, Joe. Are you going to be able to be part of next week's Twitch stream of the home game? I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. No. Like I know I talked about driving down the Mexico for it. It's still a possibility, but just with the amount I've been gone, like, so I'm in Fargo this week and I actually picked up another gig. I think that I can't really talk about right now in Vegas right after this. Um, so I'm going to be gone from Los Angeles for too long. I don't think I'm going to be able to get away again to do the home game, but we'll see. I have to see what the week holds. Okay. Well, for everyone else out there, uh, who is available. The date is Thursday the 10th of March, and this is going to be kicking off at 9pm Central European Time. That's 3pm Eastern Time. This is the first ever EPT Live home game. It's a special tournament, a free roll designed for people who watch the live streams, who listen to this podcast, who love the TV shows, and basically... It doesn't cost anything to play, and there's so much added value because we've got $500 in T-Money up for grabs, $250 T-Dollars to the winner, $150 to second place, $100 for third, and everyone who finishes in the top 10 will get free entry to the Sunday Million 10th anniversary on the 20th of March. That's a $215 ticket going to the top 10, plus bounties on all EPT Live commentators playing. So that's a bounty on myself, a bounty on Matt. I think a couple of the other guys, uh, a guy from Romania and a guy from Italy. Uh, You're from Romania! From those streams, they're going to have bounties on their heads. Uh, And that bounty, by the way, is a signed Kid Poker poster. So that's a poster for the movie signed by Daniel Negreanu himself. The structure of the tournament, it is similar to the EPT Live free rolls, but you get more chips. It's a 2,500 starting stack, and it's 6 max. And the reason I made it uh, 6 max... Matt, it's because of the Twitch stream. Because I always think six players, easy to follow, easier to commentate on for a live stream. Yeah, and a bit more action. Let's be honest, people tuning in, watching it. I, I played a couple of ten-handed games last night, and I suddenly remembered why I very rarely do that, because you're hardly playing poker. Exactly. Six Max is a lot of fun, and it makes no difference, because if it's if it's uh, an online game, you know, what difference? That can have as many tables as Cut you want. to the chase. What's the password, for Christ's sake? Okay, My here's God. what you need to do to get into the home game club. Open the PokerStars client and then... No, click. come on, too many steps. <laughs> this is what you need to tell people to do, Joe, because honestly, Matt, you went through this process and you struggled. I, I didn't find it immediately, it must be. Turn fun. on your computer. Okay, what, what after turn on your computer? Okay, so after launching the PokerStars client and clicking on the Home Games tab, and it is a little bit hidden, I'm afraid. It's in the More bit of the PS7 client. <laughs> so click on the Home Games tab and then click Join a Poker Club. Here's the information you need to join. The club ID number is 2046120. So this is the EPT Live official home game club managed by J. Hartigan. The club ID is 2046120. And the invitation code, the password you need, is always coming seven. So this is all one word, always coming seven. So that's A-L-W-A-Y-S-C-O-M-I-N-G 
number seven. Always coming seven is the invitation code for club number 2046120. And then you can register for the free roll and play with us on Thursday, the 10th of March and watch the stream at twitch.tv slash pokerstars. I think we're going to be going live, Matt, at 8 p.m. Central European times. So that's an hour before the game starts. Yeah, I might send uh, some of my viewers over, obviously, now. Uh, as, of, as of last night, I thought I'd have about 15 to uh, bargain with, but now it's a couple of hundred. So, yeah, I'll have a word with my boys, see if I can get them over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe if you're lucky, Matt will host your stream on his <laughs> channel. That would be ideal, because I think we're going to need every little bit of help that we can get. But hopefully it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be streaming from this room, uh, what I like to call the EPT Commentary Centre, a.k.a the VO booth on the mezzanine level. Uh, so we're going to be in here and we're going to be playing a variety of games. Well, Matt's going to be playing a variety of games while we keep a close eye, uh, a close tab on the lobby of the home game and follow that through to its conclusion. And uh, what are you guys going to do for an hour before the game starts? Well, this is the thing. Matt's already had experience of firing up 50-50s, spin and goes and sit and goes. Oh, he's going to mess around on the site a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're just going to sort of wait for people to join us, start welcoming the guys on Twitch, play some games, just, you know, get things ticking over. We're going to get some really uncomfortable stalls for me and James to kind of balance on the edge of. I might and, decide uh, to stand <laughs> up for the full five hours. I mean, okay, if, all right, you, guys. You can blag assholes. five hours. If you can blag five hours, we can cover 60 minutes. You pieces of shit now i'm kind of <laughs> jealous that i'm not going to be involved now i kind of want to really want to drive down to mexico again i haven't decided well I'll, I'll i'll see what i can do well joe something you can be involved in is our competition on ept not live as we give one of our super fans the chance to win some prizes one of them loves the ept knows it inside out and would do anything for the european poker tour the other one is joe stapleton it's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week we are going to the Netherlands and I'm really excited about having this guy on the show because he tweets every time we do a live stream and I am 99.9% .9 sure that I butcher his name every time I read his tweets. So let's get it from the horse's mouth. Introduce yourself, sir. Okay, thank you very much. Um, my name is Teun van Dijk, but good luck with nah, that. Tuin van Dyke. Tuin. I, mean, I think we've gone with Toyn, we've gone with Tuin, but Toyn, excellent. Uh, great Turn to have you van on the show. Dyke, Dyke Joe, Dyke. Van okay, Dyke, I, don't, I don't, can't believe I couldn't have come up with Dyke before. You'd think that would have been my default setting. I don't know, Dick, Dyke, race situation for you. Uh, so, so what do you do, sir? I'm a student. I study um, international facility and real estate management. James, is that one of those... Uh, one of those uh, degrees that we would say it's okay to fuck off and listen to EPT or is it uh, one of those ones that's too important and he should be focusing on his studies? I'm pretty uh, sure that real estate management probably doesn't require that much brain power. Lives uh, are on the line. It's real estate. <laughs> it's not really... Um, I can manage. You can manage because you are a regular viewer of EPT Live. We appreciate your support. Thank you for contributing to the shows. I'm pretty sure along the line you must have won some prizes as well. Uh, no, I've never. Really? I'm, I'm always coming short. Oh, Matt, well, today is your chance because, as you know, in this game, there's the chance to win a 27-euro Stepsy ticket and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. And you have the University Challenge Question Master himself, Matt Broughton, running this quiz about your specialist subject, which is Harry Potter. I yeah. predict Toon, Toon's going to win uh, one to nothing with uh, Matt's, if Matt's made up all the questions. No, no way. If, if the questions concern uh, actors, I'm going to lose. 
Okay, okay. Now, the thing is, this is the opportunity. Ordinarily, this is the point where, when I, before I start the questions, the uh, competitor goes, do you know what? Actually, I don't really know it that well. Um, you know, this is the time to drop in any caveats. If you want to start making excuses ahead of time, now is the time to tell me that actually you only saw one film about seven years ago. But are you sure you're up for this task, Tuan? I'm going to lose her pride. Okay. Should um, we do this I'm thing? Matt. If, I, if, I could, if I could confess, I've only seen three of the movies, and I can't remember which three, and I've read exactly zero of the books. Now, Matt, <laughs> are we going to allow Joe, as the non-expert in this particular genre, the right to phone a friend? Because I have seen the first six Harry Potter movies by virtue of the fact that my daughter watches them pretty much every single week. Wow. So I reckon I could help Joe out in a, in a sticky situation. You could be Joe's one time. Are you, uh, Tuan, are you happy to take that handicap and allow Joe a one-time to call a friend? Sure. Oh, what a great sport. Okay, let's do I this think thing. It's, I think it's great that James considers himself to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Closest thing in the booth. <laughs> right, should we do this? Superfan versus States. James, you're going to be scoremaster, right? And as always, our guest gets to go first. I need a number between one and ten, please. Well, there's only one option, really. Seven! <laughs> hey! <laughs> okay, so, your first question. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire sees a new young wizard enter the fray, played by an actor better known as a vampire from a different movie franchise. Can you name the actor in question? That's so funny, he did say at the start, if this is about actors, I might struggle. <laughs> you you got to pick the number, that's the way it works. Uh, uh, is it is it Robert Pattinson? Correct, you're absolutely right, from, oh, from menopausal God. women's favourite, the Twilight movies. Well done. Okay. That sucks, because I feel like, I, I mean, I would have gotten that one. You would have so. gotten that one. The, I think is, I've really had to change the way I compose these questions. There was a time I did them like a proper quiz master, now it's just like, please let someone get one, maybe two right. <laughs> Well, um, we're on the board as, on the as board. a team. As a show, we've got one right. So now we can just completely break out. Okay, Joe, give me a number. Number one. It's about actors. You'll be glad to have missed this one, Tim. <laughs> actor Michael Gambon took over as Dumbledore when the original actor passed away after just two films. Joe, who was the original Dumbledore actor? Richard Harris. Correct. And you're we on have the a tied game. And also, there's a bonus. <gasps> Joe, can you give me Dumbledore's, Dumbledore's first name? Dumbledore's first name is... Penny Wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> that is incorrect. Tuan, you can steal this. Do you want to give me his name? Elvis. That is correct. Now, there's actually a bonus bonus. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, who, who, gets gets who gets the bonus Tune bonus? Tune or me, right. Well, I'm actually going to give this to Joe as an opportunity, mostly because I know there's no way he's ever going to get this. So now, Joe, we know that it's Albus Dumbledore. Can you give me his full name? Oh, wow. I could... Un no point using the phone a friend, because I. But once we past Albus, I'm done. So, Joe, go, go for it. Albus Dumbledore Jr. <laughs> That is incorrect. Oh, if, no. was, if we were allowed towards style points, you'd get a style point, <laughs> yeah. though. Uh, uh, Tuan, are you gonna are you gonna take this one? Sure. Go for it. Um, Elvis, uh, uh, Wolfric, Brian, Percival, or somewhere in that order. Do you, 
Do you know what? It's you've got all the right elements. It's Albus Percival Wilfric Brian. Where does Brian come from? <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Dumbledore. So Albus Percival Wilfric Brian Dumbledore. He got them right, but in the wrong order. What no. do you think, Jeff? No, I'm sorry. We've still got a two-one lead. But also, if you are the expert, you have to get it spot on. <laughs> if Joe had wow. got the names in the wrong order, yeah. I would have been more lenient. Okay, I'm sorry. I was the- so close to saying Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I so double-checked it in case I was being punked while I was doing my research. <laughs> okay, back to you two, and would you like to uh, pick a number, please? Uh, eight. Always coming eight. Uh, okay. <laughs> in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, the Deathly Hallows refers to three mystical objects. Can you name at least two of them? Uh, the Stone of Resurrection and the Cloak of Invisibility. Wow. Do you want to give me the third one, just because you know? Uh, yeah, I would. It's, um... Ah, oh, damn it. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's it? Uh... Wow. Nope. Nope. No! You forgot the Elder Wand, the unbeatable the wand. wand. Oh, man. He still gets the point, though, He right? still gets the point, because it did say, can you name at least two of them? That's right. Okay, so, 3-1 well is the score. You okay. know, I would typically make fun of Tune for, like, you know, being a nerd and probably a virgin, but he doesn't sound like it. He sounds like he's... Pro- like, I guess it was part of everyone's childhood, right? Like, this is a perfectly reasonable thing to be well-versed in. Well, the bizarre thing is, I never watched the movies when they came out, and it's only because my daughter's now exploring the books and the films that I've got to see them. And it's actually a really good series. It's a really good film franchise. Uh, Tuan, by the way, have you been to the Harry Potter experience in London, the studios? Um, since I'm from the Netherlands, no. Dude, you've <laughs> got to come over here. I mean, obviously, London's a great city to visit anyway, but it's one of the best days out you can have. And if you're a Harry Potter fan, you will love it. Because as a movie fan, I was just in heaven with all the real sets and all the props and everything. Uh, it's a really fantastic day. I really recommend it to anyone to make the trip from Europe to come and see it. And yeah. if you come and if you win Super Mario Escapes, you can stay at James's house when you do it. That. It's not a binding guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) Guarantee may not be guaranteed. And never mind then. Okay, Joe, give me another number, my friend. Um, Number two, please. Okay, how old is Harry when he is first informed by half-giant Hagrid that he is actually a wizard? Now, this should be very easy, but I don't know, so I'm going to have to take a guess. Okay, think about it. Just think about it. You can do this. Uh, he's ten. Oh, I'm afraid you're not right. Two and do you want to take it? He's eleven. He is eleven. I think it'd be yeah. easier for Joe if he was English because it's very much the English school system and starting secondary school at eleven. I'd, I'd, uh, I wouldn't have known that. Don't no. forget, you also need kids to know that kind of stuff. But I have no idea. <laughs> I don't you, remember. Did you not, not go Matt to not school? Have Matt? Kids? Yeah, Matt was yeah. never a child. But I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember that stuff. Really? You think I remember? Anyway, okay. Uh, let's have another number, please. Uh, this is uh, Tuan's question. Uh, five, please. Okay. How many years separate the first Harry Potter film and the last Harry Potter film? In the in years in the books, or just like real years? No, between the actual films. So if you think about oh. when did when did the Sorcerer's Stone come out and when did the Deathly Hallows Part Two come out? Please, can we refer to it as the Philosopher's Stone? Only one person in in this conversation is American. Oh, of course. Sorry, yes, the Philosopher's Stone. Sorry. Uh, we, excuse me, we call it the Philosopher's Pounds. You guys use stone for weight. <laughs> we say pounds. You. Is it like nine years? I'm afraid it isn't. Joe, do you want to steal this for a point? Uh, ten years. It is ten years. It was 2001 for the Philosopher's Stone and 2011 
for part two of the Deathly Hallows. The score is four points to two and two points to Joe Stapleton. Nice. See, I knew this would get easier. Wait uh, a second. What did you just say the years were? I got that right? You got it right. 2001, you- 2011. Oh, uh, man, I, was, I thought it was 1999 and 2009. <laughs> but guess what? You don't have to show your work, do you? As long as the answer's right. Uh, whose turn is it? I believe it's actually Joe's again, isn't it? Yes, because Joe just stole that question. Okay, three, four, six, you know, nine, or ten. You know, on my uh, on my radio show years ago, um, me and Huff played this game called Harry Potter Spell or Pharmaceutical, and we actually <laughs> had uh, a, a super fan come in, and it turned out that he was a Harry Potter expert and completely ruined the game. Uh. Like every <laughs> do every single answer. So anyway, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, number three. Okay. Okay, which London station and platform lead to Hogwarts? Uh, it's King's Cross. Mm-hmm. And it is platform uh, You've ten got and a half. No excuse, Joe! We filmed there less than I, two years ago. Yes, I know. It was it, It's something and a half. Uh, t- I said ten and a half, so I have to stick with it. Incorrect. Oh. Two and you're going to steal this one. Come on. Platform nine and three quarters. Yes. Boom. No hesitation. I should. You know why I should definitely remember that because that's the exact length of my penis. What? In which metric system are you using in America at the moment? It do, does, doesn't matter. Right. Okay. Uh, a number, please, Chun. Uh, four six. Still, sorry, go on. Yeah, which are still available? Four six nine or ten. Ten, please. <laughs> I love the fact you can hear me scribbling out my numbers. High tech show. <laughs> Dobby the house elf has become one of the most popular characters from the franchise. In which film did Dobby make his debut? This character uh, sounds made up. There's no Dobby. Dobby the what? Dobby the house elf. Dobby the house. That's a made up thing. <laughs> okay, I'm guessing this film isn't one of the ones that Joe's seen. What do you think, Tom? Correct. Dobby, incidentally, was played in real life by a ball on a stick, <laughs> <laughs> which I wish they'd kept in. Uh, okay, this is over to Joe then. On oh, no. yep. uh, yes, it is four, six, or nine, Joe. Four, please. Hermione has a cat familiar. Harry has an owl familiar. What animal is Ron Weasley's familiar, whose name is Scabbers? Oh man, Ron Weasley's familiar is a. Use your phone, a friend. Uh, I'm gonna use my phone, a friend. Scabbers is a rat. D- wow! I was gonna say Correct. a rodent. Would a rodent have counted? Yes, I would have given you a rodent. And there's a bonus point attached to this. Oh no! You should have used me for the bonus point. It's all right. Joe, who did Scabbers later turn out to be? Scabbers later turned out to be Hagrid's aunt, <laughs> uh, Ruth. No. Do you want to take an extra bonus here, Tuan? Is Tuan allowed to take an extra bonus? He can take the bonus here. Peter Pettigrew. Peter Pettigrew is correct. A.K.A.? Wormtail. Oh, wow, this guy is good. Yikes. Okay, this is your last question, Tuan, so six or nine? Six, (laughs) please. What's the score before he does his last question? Uh, Tuan has seven points, you have three. Okay. You better Shit. hope there's bonus, bonus, bonus question on your last one. <laughs> okay, for Tuan, what subject does Professor McGonagall teach? Transfiguration. Man, you nailed it. Correct. So this is Joe's last chance. Name the female ghost who haunts the toilets at Hogwarts. 
female ghost who haunts the toilets at Hogwarts. Um, her name is Persephamayaness. She <laughs> <laughs> made me spit. That's, that's not even a name. Bless him for trying, though. Yeah. <laughs> do, you want, do you want yet another point? Sure. It's Moaning Myrtle. It is Moaning Myrtle. Instantly, that's what the tiebreaker was going to be about, which I like to use because I researched it. The actress who played Moaning Myrtle, Shirley Henderson, was the oldest actress to ever portray a Hogwarts student. How old was she at the time? Anybody? Is, yep. Go on. This was so sick, but it's, uh, she was 37. She was 37. There's no points attached to that. It's just for fun. But you're absolutely right. That's I'm going to give him an extra point because uh, then, he okay. has, then he has an even 10. Bingo. And 10 is a nice round number. I'm pretty sure there's a moaning myrtle that haunts the toilets of poker stars also. <laughs> there was a guy in there brushing his teeth with a huge amount of vigor when I was in there. So I mean, I don't think oh, he was a ghost. That's, 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 that's brushing Bruce. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Turn, congratulations. Your final score, 10. Joe's final score, 3. I think it's fair to say that you crushed this game of Superfan versus Stapes, which means you get the Step C ticket worth 27 euros and an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt. Thank you for being a good sport and coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. You're more than welcome. Thanks for taking part. Good okay, work, Tune. All right, so one thing we didn't get to in Dublin uh, that I'm happy to talk to you guys about right now is the fact that we went to go see Deadpool, and I don't know why I was going to say spoiler alert because I overused that shit. But anyway, <laughs> we all loved it. We all loved Deadpool, right? Yeah. I, I think Deadpool's a 10 out of 10. I think when we do these movie reviews on EPT Not Live, we normally encourage people who haven't seen the movie to switch off now. I'm not sure we need to do that no. in this particular case, because I don't really have any spoilerish stuff to say. Um, I, I'm not going to give away any kind of plot points. I think this is more a kind of a, a review of the style of the film and just the general entertainment-ness of the uh, near two-hour experience. Good word. Yeah. Good word. Be before we get before we get to the movie itself, now I was like really um, chomping at the bit in Dublin, thinking that we didn't have enough content for the EPT not live at EPT Live, and so I insisted on filming the cab ride. And actually, we had a couple of really fun moments during the cab. Uh, the biggest of which was I thought that I was really entertaining the cab driver, but it turns out. Um, at the end, our friend Ben was sitting in the front seat and said the cab driver like didn't crack a smile at all. And when I thought he was laughing, he was actually shaking his head at me and judging me. Yeah, dude, I was sat in the back seat and I could tell he was not enjoying your shtick. Well, here's why. Is that where you're at, Ballsbridge, Ben? Yeah, that's the one. Ballsbridge is like one of those words that if you grow up here, you don't think it's funny. But when you hear it the first time and you're not from here, you're like, nah, Ballsbridge. It's a bridge for balls. Well, I, I, one I never noticed, but when I took Maria home for Christmas, Ball Town Road, she's like, nah, Ball Town. <laughs> <laughs> There's a town in the, UK, in the UK called Clit Hero. What? Clithero. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really just read Clithero as Clit Hero? Well, I mean, obviously, I know it's probably not pronounced Clit Hero, but it's definitely Clit Hero. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything like that around here, Patrick? Anything silly? Still organ. Still organ? Still organ. Still organ. <laughs> After all these years. Is this is this still organ a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Depends what way you're looking at. Right? Because <laughs> either way you want it to be still. Oh, it's just the direction it's pointing in. <laughs> that varies. Where are you going? 
to see that. We're gonna go see Deadpool. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> Should be interesting for you guys. Well, they said it's for teenagers, so we can tell we're real close. <laughs> so anyway, okay, that was the cab ride. Um, you guys seem to really get a kick at how much I was enjoying myself. Dude, it movies. was like it was like you'd never stepped inside a multiplex before. <laughs> I'm usually like, oh, a concession stand, oh, video games, <laughs> <It was>. oh, <laughs> toilets. I mean, seriously, it was like I'd taken a four-year-old to see his first ever movie. You did run to the popcorn and got some popcorn, and then you ran to the ice cream and got some ice cream. And it was like, where's Joe now? It was trying to keep track of some sort of five-year-old just like having too much sugar. And he's like, I'm gonna throw this ice cream away now because I've had enough. Do you want some before I throw it away? Would you like some popcorn? It's like, do you know what? Sit him right at the other end of the row from me when we get down into the actual seats but it was nice to see the joy on your face i even took I, some pictures it was a beautiful thing i love going to the movies i just have such a good time and also like look our job is fun but like work is work so i was just so happy to like be out of the casino and just something where i could shut my brain off for a few hours and i couldn't believe that you guys didn't geek out over that star wars game the way i did like you can fly a fucking x-wing yeah, I mean those kind of virtual reality arcade games. I don't know. It was, it was also it was a one-person thing, Joe. You're sat inside this literal ball, and we can't really see in. Well, part of the reason why I was so excited to do it, like, is because I thought I was gonna have to fight you guys for like who is gonna get to go first. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I want to do the video. I want to do the Star Wars game. I want to do it. And you guys were like, uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> I- <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. And like James says, it was a bit of a one-person experience. We kind of all squinted through the window. And also, to be honest, if the game had looked better, I probably would have been up for it. But it kind of looked a little bit like you were very, very uninvolved in what was happening. You kind of had a joystick and you wanged it around a bit. But you even came out going, I'm not entirely sure how much I influenced what happened. I think <laughs> no. I was just like along for the ride for two euros. Do you know what it looked like? It looked like a, it looked like a low-rent version of the Star Tours ride at Disneyland. It was it was pretty much on rails. Yeah, there wasn't like a whole lot going on there. Uh, the movie itself, a movie is on rails, but that was a ride that was ridiculously enjoyable. It was. I mean, I think you put it perfectly when you just wanted to switch your brain off and enjoy something, and it's that kind of movie. It's just in- incredibly entertaining from start to finish. I thought it was slick, uh, well-paced, so many action movies, and I know you're a massive Marvel fan, Matt, but so many Marvel movies massively overstay their welcome. Some of them pushing the two and a half hour mark. Yeah. This came in, I think, about one hour 48, and it's like so refreshing to have a film that's not two hours long. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the impressive thing was when you think about how unknown in the mainstream character like Deadpool is, you think what a mess has been made of Fantastic Four, which should be easy. What a mess has been made of like The Amazing Spider-Man, which should be easy. And you kind of think, this is brilliant, because now people go, he's cool. And there's a couple of little bits and bobs from other franchises that will keep the nerds happy. There's lots of in-jokes. But you just thought, it's such a masterclass in just making a good film and not getting too carried away with trying to cram all the superhero stuff in from the back catalogue. I just I just thought it kind of put a lot of the big, big name films to shame. My yeah, did you, did you see that the, the new Avengers movie is going to have 64 characters in it? Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, I love that stuff, but even Age of Ultron, I just thought, do you know what? This is such a mess. They're just trying so hard to get that hero shot where everyone's on the screen at once in slow motion. It's like, just chill out. I'm I'm more excited about Civil War than, than I think either of the, the Avengers films, just for that reason, too much. I think my fears going into this were, number one, that it was going to try to be in your face and shocking for the sake of it, 
and also that it might be so self-aware that it would be up its own ass. Yeah. And I'm pleased that the self-awareness was well-balanced. There were enough moments where the character breaks the fourth wall for it to be clever without it being so persistent that it would just drive you nuts for the entire time. And also I thought that, you know, I don't think it's any secret that this film is substantially more violent and substantially more explicit than your average Marvel flick. Um, but I didn't find it, you know, uh, exploitative. I didn't find that it was just trying to to shock for the sake of it. It it worked in context. Yeah, it was a bit more it, Tom and Jerry, wasn't it, than kind of just gratuitous. I thought it came close in both of those things that you were talking about, James. I, I thought that it came close to being too self-aware. It came close to being a little bit too shocking for shock's sake, but didn't get there. Didn't actually get there. I thought that every joke landed. I was really nervous, actually, because when I go to the movies, as you guys already mentioned, it's like a really big deal to me, and I love it, and I want everyone to have a good time. So I'm sitting next to James, and I can tell James is loving it, but I'm occasionally looking over at Matt, who refused to sit next to me, and Matt... <laughs> it was just so much ice cream and popcorn. I had, I had clothes on. I had a pair of jeans that had to last the whole week. Matt was like not always laughing all the time, so when we got out of the movie, I was like, Matt, did you... Uh, did you did you, I was really afraid you weren't going to like I know, it. Don't forget, one, I have no soul. So the thing is, <laughs> I, I, I can hear I can hear James guffawing. I can hear you roaring. You were crying before the credits came, so you're just an emotional wreck as always. But <laughs> it, it takes a lot for me to actually like give an outward indication of how much I'm enjoying it. And also, the one thing, if there's a slight negative, a lot of really US-centric references. Yeah. And because like Ryan Reynolds is like a motor mouth anyway, which is obviously the character's shtick, but a lot of stuff coming at you that you have to process quite quickly. And a lot of stuff where I just was like, I have no idea who these people or that these shows or lots of tiny references. I appreciated when I got it, I could understand how well they were working being thrown at me like, you know, a machine gun. But there was a lot of stuff that I didn't get. And also I've seen some reviews saying a lot of the references, even if you got in a couple of years time or maybe in five years time or... I, I, we don't know how well those references are going to stand up unless you really are plugged into the zeitgeist of what he's going for. But no, I, I got because you guys were like, well, you're not, not impressed. And I was like, no, I loved it. It's just I, I'm, I'm, I'm a soulless robot. Yeah, but here's the thing. As much as I enjoyed it and as fun as I found it, I have forgotten a lot of it. And I'm not sure it's a movie that I'm going to be talking about in six months' time. No, yeah, I think... but it's a movie unlike a lot of these other movies that I will rewatch when it comes out. I will yeah. absolutely rewatch this movie again. Age of Ultron, haven't seen it since it came out. Even the original Avengers, I did not rewatch that movie. This is a movie that I'll probably buy. And I've got to say, the action sequences, there's some really great set pieces that stand up much better than some of the big oh, yeah. the big franchises. Like, I will go back and watch some of them crunching battles a good few times, whether I'll be as engaged in the kind of the, the origin side of it or, or some of the kind of the love interest side of it. I don't know, but I think certainly the action pieces are going to stand up for a good while. The only other niggle I had with the film, and it's such a minor thing, but I do like it when they try to tie characters into an existing universe when there's consistency mm. and obviously they're trying to tie deadpool into the x-men universe because this is a fox movie rather than a marvel cinematic universe movie and it would have been nice if colossus had been played by the same actor who's played him throughout the x-men how could films. you even notice i like i didn't even notice it wasn't yeah. the same actor I, I mean, apparently I, he was offered the chance yeah. and he turned it down because he they decided that they wanted him to be a cgi character and he's like i don't want to just do voiceover work if i'm not actually playing the role then i don't want to do it 
I, I don't think it matters. I think he's well, it's he, been he completely such an, changed nationality. Yeah, but it's been such an underused character anyway. It's always been in the sort of the background or the sidelines. I I don't I don't mind. I wasn't a massive fan of the Colossus character in general. I thought it made it a bit too Jar Jar Binksy, but it didn't detract from it. I I certainly can't say that that would have been one of my niggles. The fact it was not the same actor because this feels like such a standalone film anyway that occasionally makes gags about other characters rather than tries to include it in the kind of tip of the hat way that a lot of the, uh, the usual superhero films do. Yeah, I mean, how great is it that if you are working on a movie where everything that may not be great about your movie, you get to make reference to it in the movie? I mean, yeah. that's something that I really loved about it. So, like, when he gets two of the crappy X-Men, the character just goes, yeah, sorry we couldn't afford better X-Men. I mean, that's got to be so fun as a writer to write something like that. Uh, my understanding is that the budget for this got slashed, that apparently Fox took like $9 million off the budget because they were worried, obviously, about the box office of what in America is an R-rated movie. So um, my brother's telling me about this, by the way. So Fox made like $200 million worth of layoffs, and then uh, like a, two weeks later, they've got this massive hit on their hands, and apparently Deadpool is just destroying right now well it broke the record set by the matrix for the biggest box office opening of an r-rated movie in the states and absolutely it's crushing the competition i think it's still number one at the box office and they just didn't predict that it would be this big that it would be this popular so i gotta tell you guys my favorite part about this movie is that i am a really huge ryan reynolds fan like really big and i don't know if you guys even know this but like so years ago he was on this sitcom called two guys a girl in a pizza place and the Never first time i heard of it yeah so the very first time that i saw him on the show i was like this guy is gonna be a huge star so then uh years ago when i was working on the show called mad tv he came on as a guest star um and i was just absolutely thrilled that this guy was around i mean i always say like i would go gay for ryan reynolds like if ryan reynolds wanted to hook up with me i would do it like i would definitely just make out with him for like no reason just to like hang out with him so my friends who are on the show um the cast members they knew i was a really big fan and they were like why don't you come down and like just hang out on set for a while and just be around so they were, we were shooting this sketch called the wall which was a parody of the oc which i think you guys had that right uh, yes, so, I've never seen it, but I know the name. Sure. The OC, except it took place in a Walmart. So it was supposed to be this, like, you know, melodrama, nighttime soap in a Walmart. And Ryan Reynolds played the security guard in the Walmart. And um, he was really, you know, obviously, he's, he's a pretty funny dude for someone who's, like, considered, like, just an actor and not really a comedian. And they were playing this improv game uh, backstage where they were, um, like, you know, in between takes, where, like, the improv comedians who were on the show were messing around with Ryan Reynolds, and they were doing this thing where they were pretending to masturbate, right? They were, like, making a masturbation motion, and then they would say, like, a bunch of things in a row that you wouldn't really be masturbating to. So it'd be like, they'd be like, ah, James Hardigan, Matt Brown, Joe Stapleton, and they would, like, have, like, an orgasm, like, over this really weird thing in, in a line of, of uh, you know, sort of improving. And they were all playing this game when all of a sudden they looked at me and then you were I decided, actually masturbating. You'd misunderstood the rules was, of the I, game. I was like, I'm so sorry, guys. I was like, bop, 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 I saw bop, I saw Ryan and that's it. I just had to blow one off. You're actually not far off, Matt, because they got to me and I was like secretly sitting in my head like, you know how you're like at a soccer game and you're like, what would you do if they like called me down to like be <laughs> at the game right now? So I'm like secretly thinking like if they if they look at me and they let me play the game, what am I going to do? 
And so um, I ended up masturbating to two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. And there was like this really awkward pause for a second. And then luckily, like everyone started laughing. Um, and so like I made Ryan Reynolds laugh. And then I really did go home and masturbate about it. <laughs> So I just and I'm just like, so I'm just like a huge Ryan Reynolds fan, and this was like a really big deal for me that he was just first of all he was a super cool dude then, and just seeing this movie where he played a character that I really like, and I just think he crushes it. Like I just think, and I'm just I'm so I'm so jealous of him because look I have aspirations of like doing stuff beyond poker one day. Acting would be really cool. I think it's a long shot, but like. Man, I just see a role like this, and I'm like, God, what a what a dream! Like to be able to play something like this. Don't you guys think this would be like the funnest role ever to play? Deadpool? Joe, I'm, I'm going to break this to you. You, you. You're not you're not an unattractive man, but you're not Ryan Reynolds. I'm not Ryan Reynolds. That's okay. I'm not Ryan Reynolds. There's there's other things out there for me. I don't think I could pull off the guy that constantly refers to how good looking he is. If no. They ever need to recast a character like Beast, for example? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ouch! This is a that's the thug life moment for this episode. <laughs> uh, j- just to just to wrap things up here on Deadpool, we then took another cab ride home where I decided I was not gonna try to irritate the cab driver the entire time, but we ended up pulling into this onto this street. Jesus, we were stuck in traffic on O'Connell Street for like twenty minutes, and this was like what eleven forty five, close yeah, to midnight. It was late at night, so eventually, like, I just can't... I'm like, hey, what, what's going on here? Is there, like, an accident or bad traffic? Or I actually thought it was garbage pickup. And the cab driver goes, no, there's a teen disco on the street, and it's just packed with parents picking up their kids. At which point, Matt goes, it's a good thing Joe's sitting in the middle, or else there would just be a flapping car door open right now. <laughs> and then, of course, we actually went past said venue and saw many of the poor young things being kicked out of this venue, being collected by their parents. It was a mess. <laughs> it was not a pleasant sight. I will say that Matt's story absolutely checked out once I got a look at a couple of these <laughs> girls he, coming out of the club. It, it was clawing. It's a good job they were child-locked for more than one reason. <laughs> Never has a car being child-locked been more apt or necessary than in that instant. Do you, who is more of a child, the people on the outside or the guy on the inside? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Coin Remains, flip. Race Remains, situation. Yeah, definitely a race situation. All right, guys, that's all the time we got for this week's show. Next time will be the eve of the new Superfan home game. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll probably repeat the details just so everyone's got that go club ahead, ID and, uh, and, and password. Club ID 2046120. Invitation code always coming seven. Always coming seven. That's with the number seven at the end. So we'll tease that one more time. We'll be recapping the EPT TV shows that are recently back on the air. Monaco, number one and number two. Also, I just moved back to Los Angeles, and obviously I've already been on Tinder there. And have I got the story for you guys? We have not had time to do it this week, but I man, can't oh believe man. we didn't mention that, that when we were trying to get hold of you <laughs> this morning and we were texting, WhatsApping, phoning, Joe went... Uh, Matt said, someone get hold of him on Tinder because I guarantee you he's got a special alert for that. Well, the thing is, I just thought you might have, you know, whatever noise it makes when you get an email, whatever noise when you get a WhatsApp, whenever you get a Facebook message, I thought if there's one noise that will cut through Joe dreaming, (laughs) it'll be, so we're going, has anyone got Tinder? Everyone just hook up with Joe because if he goes, he'll be like, hey, I'm awake. (laughs) 
And we nearly got there. If James hadn't been so successful finding you with his uh, super skills, then we might have had to get desperate. At least one part of my body would have woken up for sure. By the way, James, thanks a lot for going through all that trouble to track me down. I apologize again, guys. I feel real stupid about that. Will not make that mistake again. Well, then saying, smell you later.